10, and we're looking forward to it. Thank you, Pastor uh, Sarah and Josh, and uh, <laughs> thank you, Church. Oh. I don't know where to start, but this is our start. I prepared the message. I knew what God wanted me to share today, and I worked very hard. And when we were driving here, and I, I, you know, you still have that little doubt somewhere. You say, God, is it really what you want me to say? And I, 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 I'm praying. I'm just excited and praying. And, and, and then this just came very clearly. It was soft and beautiful just to reinforce that. But it, it, I think it is special because it is personal. Where I just heard this uh, little beautiful voice very clear in my mind while we were uh, driving and said, tell them I love them and I care. So he loves you. And he cares. I don't know what you are going through, but he loves you and he cares. And my message was to talk about hope because I really like, to, I, I love uh, uh, talking about hope. And what I, I, I was preparing was talking about hope beyond hope. You might be in a situation that needed you to hope that God will come and do something. And that has taken a long time and nothing is happening. Maybe you are going down and thinking like, is God still here? Is he in my situation? Can I still keep hoping? And hope is uh, 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 that uh, confidence, uh, expectation that something good is going to happen. That is hope. But the more it takes time to be fulfilled and you start feeling like, no. And uh, as you know, hope is what gives you life for the future. If there is no hope, there is no future. Because you can't see tomorrow. Hope is the only thing that drives you to see tomorrow. If there is no hope, you'll start telling yourself, because there is no future, without you knowing, you'll be telling your soul, there's no future. There's nothing for me. No one cares. So I'm not going to expect anything tomorrow. And you know what's coming. And the soul will start speaking to your body. There's nothing for you tomorrow. You can't do anything. And you start getting sick. And your spirit starts dying. Because there is no hope, because there is no tomorrow for you. There is just darkness. And that is what the enemy can do. The Bible says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Only to do these things, powerful things. He will come and steal your joy. He will come and steal your peace. He will come and steal your relationship. He will come and take away everything that you have. He will steal that. 
and he will destroy your body. You start going down because there is no hope. But just remember, he loves you and he cares. And the second part of this uh, verse uh, is saying, I have come that they may have life and have it in all its fullness. I love the way they have said it here. I have come that they may have life and have it in all its fullness. He cares about your spirit. He cares about your relationship with him. He cares about your relationship with yourself. How many people are going down because they look at themselves, they say, I've made this mistake and I've made this mistake and I can't forgive myself. So your relationship with yourself going down. And you go, your relationship with your family or whoever going down. That's what the enemy will do. He will attack. The Bible says, uh, God will look after the church and the weapon of the enemy will not do anything to the church. But the enemy's tactic is to attack the family. So if the family is attacked, the church is attacked, the church will be down because you don't have strong families and the church will be weak. So the enemy is strategic, targeting families. So want to destroy, that's his job. But there is hope, and our hope is in Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is our hope. And I believe this uh, simple but powerful message that he has just put in my heart for you to tell you that uh, he loves you is the basis of our faith and how, uh, our hope. When you have his promise, you can stand up strong and say wherever the enemy will put in front of me, I am the winner. I will go through. I will not fear anything. I will go through that. And I will see tomorrow. I will see tomorrow. The enemy will always put you in a corner where there's nothing else that, than uh, uh, hopelessness. And... That is the worst thing. This is the worst place to be in a hopeless uh, situation where there is no future for you. You, you. you don't see tomorrow. Everything around you is telling you you are a failure. Everything around, around you is telling you you are going to pass away because this, sick, this disease is not... He, no one who has got this has survived. That's, that's what the enemy will do. You are not going anyway. You are, you are not at all. And when you are in that situation, you can't see tomorrow. You'll even start preparing yourself. There is no tomorrow, so I prepare myself to. Because you are in that corner. But I would like to say uh, something this morning. He loves you. He doesn't want you to be in that situation. He wants you out. Most of the time, when we are in that circle of hopelessness, we think no one cares. 
and everything we will see will just be like, okay. I can hear that I am nothing. I can hear that nothing is going to change. And everyone coming into that little circle of pain, of suffering, is just telling you the same message that is pulling you down. But out of that circle, God is there. There are people who can support you out of your circle to get you out of that darkness. And Jesus is our hope. You can trust him. And he can get you out of that. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know. But he knows. And he wants you to know that. He is there. He loves you. It doesn't matter if you are a sinner. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what. Your future is what is most important for God. And he is telling you that I love you. And I care. Your situation will tell you, now. this is the end of you. Don't go that way. Stand up tall. Believe in him. He cares. He does. And he's capable. He knows your tomorrow. And he's telling you, this morning, he cares. And he loves you. One day... One of uh, my friends uh, was in hospital. Uh, it was uh, my friend's uh, husband who was dying. I used to live in a city where everyone will be poisoned. So that was the culture there. They have developed this, I don't know what to call it, a, a culture of poisoning everyone. So you can greet someone and you poison him. You come to the uh, uh, door handle and just put a powder and that's people getting sick. I don't know how I got through that city because I, I, I know God protected me and I've never got sick in that city. But everybody in that city was sick, even in a church. Those things were happening. So my friend's husband was poisoned. So he's sick and nothing was promising that he's going to survive. And I visited him with another friend who was a servant of God. So we yeah, in a hospital praying, but that was, I didn't pray. I was just there watching. I was young. I was just kind of watching how someone can prepare someone else to die. Okay, I will learn probably something from that. But I sat there listening carefully to see so that that maybe might help me. If I'm in that situation, I can encourage someone to go peacefully. The wife was sitting there. She was an intercessor. God told her he's not going to die. But the doctor, the situation, what we could see, you know when you come in a situation, you look and say, no, there's nothing. There's no life. It's not even breathing. You could not see anything. And my friend talked to her and to the dying person, hoping that he will hear something, say some beautiful word, did some beautiful prayer, but in the heart of the wife, she knew that God told her that he's not going to die, even if he was dying. That is when hope, beyond hope, become a reality, where you feel like where God... This is telling me that this man is going. 
Where is the hope? Next week, it was just a week, and then I went back to the hospital. This man was sitting down eating. That is hope beyond hope. She stood even if we all believed that he was dying. But she stood up in hope that he will live. Hope against everything. He survived. And I learned something new. And another day, I was already in Arusha, with, uh, and then I visited one of my best friends in Congo. He was poisoned. He was a pastor, and he was an and a special person in my life who was there and just a pastor who is passing away in the hospital and in isolation, so ready to die. His friend pastors came in and, and preparing him to die. And I, I just walked in knowing that everybody has told me he's dying, he's finished, he's gone. But when I went in, I, I, I felt like, no, there is life here. Now, look at the confrontation between your faith and someone who is dying, but the feeling is, no, no, <laughs> this is good, this is good. All right, I went in, in isolation, and said, my friend is going to die. What am I going to tell him? He has spent all his life praying for me, for the ministry I was doing. And I, I am going to say goodbye to him. My spirit said no. So I followed, and I told the other guy to just shut up. And <laughs> I, I opened my mouth, positive word of healing and things like that. And they're looking at me, like, I'm crazy. And next day, I went back to... Tanzania, he survived. He survived. He survived. That's the city I used to live in. So, you might be in a situation where there is no hope. But if God has told you something, you can hang on to that. There is hope. If he said he loves you, it means he can take you through your situation and get you to the other end. This is God. The same things happened with uh, Abraham. God promised him that he will have a child. And he, not only will have a child, but he will be the father of nations. You will be the father of nations, but you even don't have one child. How are you going to be uh, the father of nations? God knew what he said. Sarah was old. Abraham was old, but at the end of their life, what happened was hoping beyond hope. A 90-year-old woman had a child. Just think, if that 90-year-old person was you in this situation today, who is going to have a child because of the promise of God, that's what God can do. Lazarus. Maybe you are saying, no, I hope that God will do something, and, but it is all gone, already gone. Yes, even if you think it is already gone. What? Think about Lazarus. What did God do with Lazarus? Friend of Jesus. 
personal friends. Mary and uh, 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 Martha were best friends of Jesus. And Jesus was even in the house a day before. And then Jesus traveled and, and, and something happened. They hoped that God, uh, Jesus will come back and he will do something. He will pray for him and he will get healed. He died. He passed away. Gone. And Martha, Martha and Mary's language changed. They said, God, we, we know, we know that if you were here, he would have just been fine, but it's okay. We know you, no, he just laughed. He cried, and he walked straight to the tomb and spoke to the dead, four days dead body. And Lazarus come out, came out alive. Your situation might have been already gone. You have no faith. But I will tell you, and finishing here, to say that even if you think your situation has gone, dead, you have signed, you don't want to think about it, God can still do something. God can still do something. As long as you are alive, you can see things that God has promised you. Even if your body, the doctor and everybody, everything's going against your faith, your reality, the science and everything, God can do that as he did with Lazarus. Four days after, he's just completely gone dead, but Lazarus was resurrected again. Hope beyond hope. There are a lot of people in the world who need hope like this. And I believe we are the people God has called to bring this message to them. This message is for us. This message is also for somebody else. We don't know. Somewhere who is in that circle of darkness where there is no hope. And he thinks everybody hurt him or her. There is no way. But we know that there is hope. We know that God can do something. And we can become the messengers like the angels that God sent to tell Abraham next year. At this time, Sarah will have a child. God can use us to go and tell someone that, that, that this is what we call mission. And this is what is in our heart to tell somebody that there is hope. Well, uh, I'd just like to do a very short prayer before we go to the next stage for somebody here who think he's in a hopeless situation. I'd just like you, where you are, to see God beyond your situation. You can just, as I always say, say, God, I don't know how, but I trust you. I don't know how, but I trust you. You are trusting him. You can fight with him. You can wrestle with him. He is faithful. He is God. He is good. He has done it with other people. He can do it for you. He can also do it with you. For somebody else you are trusting God for. 
And before I pray, while we're here, I, I felt like God is healing somebody who has a pain going from the shoulder to the leg. Just, you can expect God, you can hope that God is healing you right now. Let's pray. Oh God, hope beyond hope. I pray for those people who are going through a tough time. People who can't see tomorrow. That you may open their eyes so that they can see tomorrow. So that they can see you beyond their situation. Beyond their pain. And believe that you are going to heal them. To change their situation. To restore relationships. To bring back their life. And we believe that you love us and you care. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes. Uh, one more thing that uh, before we start. So Rebecca can just come uh, and as we start talking about mission, but I would like to say something special I got for you. I didn't have that, but when we were singing, this is for you, Sarah and Josh. I, I saw this beautiful thing. So we were singing about the kingdom. I, I, I was just enjoying everything, and the key came. All the time when you read Bible about the kingdom, it would be the key of the kingdom come around there. I saw this key coming, and I was excited. I said, I'm grabbing the keys. <laughs> so just, this is one of them. No, no. The key just waved and went straight to you guys. And I think this is something special, probably for the first, uh, for, 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 for the next uh, 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 season for you. You have the keys. The key is given to you so that you can open, you can lock and unlock situations. So this is a great encouragement for you. Just grab the keys. Don't care about whatever is in front of you, whatever you have gone through, but the key has been given to you. And later when I was praying again about that, I heard this message becoming a little bit stronger. Do you know what? Sometime in the Bible, when a, 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 an angel of God, there's a special angel of God that go and deliver a message, and they are always very strong. When you try to discuss with them, they, they just go straight. <laughs> no, this is it. There's no negotiation. So there was that feeling that, don't you know that I have called you? I don't know if you are doubting about your ministry or the things you are doing. I don't know, but this become very strong, like serious voice to tell him, don't you know? So please pray for your pastors and please believe that and walk with confidence in that. So, Africa and the mission. Oh, it's already there? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with 
It's, we've got Harvest Hope Africa. That's going to be us. We were talking as a family of what we wanted to call our organisation that we were going to have, and we were tossing up different words, and we came across a little bit of a hump, and Olivia said to us, Olivia has the prophetic gifting of her father, and she said, Mum and Dad, it's going to be Harvest Hope Africa. So that's it. <laughs> um, you're, oh, sorry. Oh. There we go. <laughs> Our focus, bringing God's hope and the restoration by equipping and empowering vulnerable people and communities. Bringing hope, as we said in this message, is what people over there need. They are in a situation where they can't see tomorrow. We are very lucky to be in Australia with peace. They don't have peace. They live in a country where they don't know if tomorrow will really be. They are expecting war at any time. They don't know if they will eat tomorrow. They don't know if they will go to school tomorrow. That is what they are going through. So, we know that there is hope. And we know that God can do things for them. And it is just not that fear of something, but things happening even to their bodies that is telling them there's no hospital, there's nothing. There's, so all they can hear is there's no hope. But we know that there is hope. Restoration is a lot of people have gone through a lot of pain, and we have to go and help them not only to hope but to work with them so that their soul will be restored. They can trust again in God, they can trust themselves and other people and they can become who God has called them to be again. So full restoration and also equipping them to take care of themselves. That's what we uh, feel like we are called to do. Bringing hope, bringing restoration, and equipping them to sustain themselves. It is okay to be a Christian, but if you're a Christian and you don't have food, your Christianity become a little bit questionable. I'll, I'll just give you one little example before uh, Rebecca kept it. I have this young man. He is working for another family. He has no food. He has little children. What happened is the boss is a rich man. He doesn't pay that person well. There is rice. There is meat. There is everything. But his family is dying. And he told me, he asked me, what shall I do? He's not giving me that steel for my children to eat or not. Can you see how your faith is starting? So, as a missionary or as somebody who understands how God works, what do I just have to preach people to be Christian and not working with them ways that they can come out of misery and stop sinning and going crazy? Mission is not about one thing. You, you do the all thing. 
you're a Christian, but I want for, for, for to, me to make sure that you are a strong Christian, let's create ways that will build up your uh, uh, life in truth so that you're not going to steal the rights for your children, but you can make a little bit of money for your children to eat, and you stay, you stay faithful, and there's nothing in your conscious blaming you for stealing rice for your children. Good thing for my children to live, but I'm stealing. Okay, so Isaiah 61 is the scripture that we're standing on. It was actually the scripture that God gave me when I first went on the mission field 16, 16 years ago, something like that. And when we came back with our little babies, we knew that it wasn't over yet. So we're still um, standing on this one. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and freedom to prisoners. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. So when we're working out what we're going to do, if, if it goes within that category, we say, yep, that one's ours. Um, did you want to say, have you done all of these ones already? Or? No. Okay. Um, hope, restoration, transformation, as we said. This uh, young uh, girl, there, she's just a child. Uh, this one will probably be 13 or 14. Yeah, she has a child. All right? I've talked about this. Um, previously, she didn't consent to have somebody else who has power use the power to do that and destroy somebody else's life. A lot of people are Christian in my country, and this is happening to Christian. And I have no other way to tell them that God still loves you. Where was God when this was happening to me? And it is not only happening once. So this little child there doesn't have a hope for tomorrow. Because the same people will come back. Nothing stops them. Because there is a conflict in war or whatever, whatever situation, they will come back. Do you think she'll still have hope? No. There's no hope for her. She's just there like a machine. A slave. And what happened, I, I talked last time, was if they are not closer to the city, they are in a mining area where rebellious people will go and steal the mine and sell that to have weapon in the mind, and that's how they live. And what happens is night time, they are there. During the day, they use them as slaves to go in the mine and they dig for them and transport things. So it goes beyond and beyond. I would like to say something. I don't want you to feel bad about this, but this is what is happening. And I have promised these little young girls last year that I will be speaking 
for you because you have no voice, I will become your voice. And this is what drives me. This is why I'm standing up here. I, you know me, I've spent all this time and never spoke of me starting NGO or trying to, but I decided that no, I am not going to just be, no, I'm going to stand up for you because you have no voice, I will become your voice. Do you have a telephone? Telephone is coming from Congo. This is Apple or whatever telephone you have. Probably 80% of material that made this telephone is coming from Congo, my country, where this little girl come from. This is a powerful thing. But where it is coming from, there is darkness, there is no hope. I love the telephone. They also love telephones. But the material is coltan. It is in the telephone. It is in the computers. It made all the things, uh, powerful things going to the moon or aeroplane and all devices coming from Congo in the village of this young little girl. How was companies making money is wrong. The way they did that was wrong. They have understood that this country is too rich. We need to make money, so we need to get that material at a cheaper price. And they have understood that if you go there and start war, then through that way they will not be selling it officially. It's a black market that they get that cheaper price to the pen and suffering of this young girl and a child. That's the price they pay. Do you think they love the phone? Do you, do you think they enjoy what the phone is doing? No. They just have no hope for tomorrow. There is no hope. They are slaves for those people. We don't know this. You, you only know because I'm talking about it. Because I went to those villages. I have been there. I have seen the thing. I have seen these people. I've told you stories of God sending me to, to go in these places, just preaching or doing things and protecting me. I've never seen all someone pointing a gun at me. But these people live that terror every day. So that's why what you are doing for this young girl, and listening to me talking about this, goes beyond. So then when you pray, you can pray differently. You can pray differently. They deserve to be treated with respect. And I believe this will probably be one of those ones I saw last year. And I'll say the mission money you gave to us went to that beautiful dress that she's probably wearing because that's the way I felt like, well, I'm going to say sorry to what is happening to you as a man, but... I also need a symbolic things to do so that, I, because this, this, I had so much pain to see that, uh, that I, I, the all money I have, I have to say, I'll, I'll give you dignity. First thing I'll do is to cover your body. And I'll just stop there, probably a little bit. I just wanted you to know that this is 
what happens when you use any device. So it is coming from there. There's no beautiful house there. There's no cars there. There's nothing. But we can see aeroplane above buzzing and landing on the land to pick up the mineral and take them out. So we wanted to go over briefly with you our key programs that we're doing, but the one that I think was the platform most of all was this that Patrick's just talking about. So, um, sorry, uh, the restoration of these girls. When Patrick sent me photos when he was there last year, I looked at, actually, I did look at the girls, but more so I looked at his face and I just went, actually, he's broken. I've never seen his face like that before and I knew that this would be a platform for what we were going to do in the future. So when he said to me, I've promised them that I'll be their voice, it was no surprise to me that we went, okay, this is going to be the key first thing that we're going to take on. So um, these girls are between 13 and 17. It was all non-consensual and um, many of them have no home now their parents don't accept them. Some of them have been taken in by their grandparents. And obviously grandparents there at that age don't really have much. So we're talking pretty poor families. Uh, also I say the culture there, once you have a child, you have become an adult. Doesn't matter if you're young or not. So anyone who has a child, you are abandoned. And you are looked at as just completely like rejected and you have to look after yourself. How can a 13 years old look after a baby and look after herself? So what, Patrick, are we good? What, oh, we're very good, sorry. Um, what Patrick and I have decided we want to do is these girls need to go back to school. Thanks, Ryan. Um, they need to go back to school because most of them haven't finished like, they might have finished to year six and that's it. But that's no future for them. So, um, we are doing what we can to get as many of them back to school as possible. For some of them who are a bit older, that are 17, it's almost too late for them. What they, we've got someone there that we're working with and um, what they have identified is a trade that they want to go into. So, we're going to trade them, um, train them up straight away. What we don't have there is a picture of a young girl caught. I won't get through this one. A young girl called Kentius. She was, um, right now she's 11. I'm good, I can do it. Yeah. Kentius is the product of a non-consexual situation and her mother gave her up because she couldn't look after her. We don't know the details yet, but pretty much she was a street girl. And she made her way to the crisis centre that Patrick spoke of last time that took in these abused girls. Um, she now has gestational HIV, which they're treating but um, she has been released from that crisis centre and we have picked her up because otherwise she was going to go back on the streets. Um, yeah, so 
HIV as a child, but then gone through the same situation herself as an 11-year-old. We've found a widow who's taken her on and is sending her to school, which is pretty awesome. But I know that God put Kentius on the piece of paper that we got for a reason, because that's my hook. That's my hold on when things get a bit tough. Um, we got our list, like we've only shown you a photo of a few girls, but when we got the list a few weeks ago, there were 16 girls on that list that all needed our help. And we went, how on earth are we going to do this? And then when I got to the very bottom and I read Kentius, 11 years old, my heart just snapped in two. And sometimes life is a bit chaotic. Patrick was talking about when you feel like you've got no hope, you know, our life is busy. And there are many times that I'm feeling like I'm juggling way too many balls and dropping quite a few of them. And I know that Kentius is the story for me to hold on to when life's too busy and I go, oh, I just can't take on any more. I can't, I can't do any more for these people. It's all too much. It's too complex. It's too hard from here that I think of Kentius. Yesterday we went for a walk just to think and pray about what we're going to talk about today. And we live on a very flat street and we ride with the girls and walk, right, walk with the girls. And it's, we've been there for a year, but we really know all the streets around. But... Yesterday, we accidentally came across a different street and we walked up the hill and when we got to the top of the hill, we went, oh my, there's our house right there, one street away, but we have a completely different view. And I thought about what Patrick was going to speak about today. You know, sometimes we're in our little world, there's no breeze, it's chaotic, and we can't actually stand strong and step out. And sometimes we need to do that. You know, if you think of, oh, I can't really remember your streets. Okay, think of the very bottom of Tallwood Avenue. Mind you, that wouldn't be a bad place to live. I wouldn't mind living there. But if I'm right at the bottom, you know, there's not much breeze. There's plenty of traffic and it's pretty chaotic. You just take one step to the next street and then the next street and before you know it, you're at the top of um, Bannister Head. Yeah. And think of the different view that you get. And I know with Kentius, she's my hook for me to go take a different view. When it feels too much, take a different view. Um, So we, uh, we have decided to help them go back to school, but there have been already a lot of things happening. That young boy there, I probably showed a picture last time. Uh, he has done so well. He was an orphan of violence, where people come in the village and then parents are gone and children left on their own. When you wake up in the morning and this mother walk around and could just see uh, little children on their own, collected them and took them to her home. And this boy was one of those first ones she took. She started an orphanage. And he was three, now he's 20. He has done so well. If you look at his face, he has a machetes. And I showed the picture last time. That's a sign that, that has happened to him. He has, still lives at the orphanage, but he has a passion for that. And when I was there, I decided, he said, I have finished, but I can't go to university. I said, I will send you there. I will find a way. Don't know where these things come <laughs> from. <laughs> Just, I found a way. And he is going to university now. 
So that's, yep, you can. Because uh, in Congo, like unlike Tanzania, if you manage to get to the end of year 12, you've done really well. But in Congo, they expect you to go to university if you want to have a good future. And so he's studying community development and, and, health. and health. And so he's going to be able to be a leader in his community. Yeah. Which and is be and cool. he has uh, uh, 150 uh, uh, other often yeah. around him. So I'm thinking if I can train him, it also means I'm making a way, a contact, even if I'm not there, he can do something. Somebody else can go, yes, that guy, and you can reach those younger ones who can't speak, who have nothing. So he is very happy to go to university so that he can learn how to manage things, and I am hoping that. First, it is for his benefit. I don't care if he doesn't look after those ones, but I care more about him. Can he succeed? Can he see tomorrow? But if he's willing, he can also be a key contact for those younger ones. So we talked last time about the school that we have in Tanzania that's got 160 kids in it. We are still working with that, trying to make some progress there. Instead of just having milk now, they have uji, which is like porridge, but you know, we want to give them proper meals and all good things. The teachers there are sometimes getting a salary, sometimes not. So we want to be able to really feed into that school there as well in Tanzania, as well as the education for the, the girls in Congo. Yeah, and they have done so well. This community started from nothing. It is in the Maasai land. I said last time, Maasai, only men are men, are people. Women and children are not. So they are considered to be animals. So we'll treat them the way we want. That's the culture. So what we are doing is to go there and take those young women who are abused and the children, children look after the cow that this age, or instead of playing soccer, they will be after goats or something else in the bush. That's what they do. So we'll take their mother, they are rejected, and train them to do some sewing or any little skill so that they can look after themselves and look after their children. So that's how we started. And then we said, no, it is not enough to have the mother and the children hanging around. So we started like educating these children. That's how things started. And that is growing. They are starting E2. 40 children going in E2. That is that blue uh, uh, skirt. E2. Four people in one bench. It's not much. Squeeze, they have nothing. They just teach them how to read and write a little thing. So, and it is chaotic there, but I am happy that something is being done. Somebody has volunteered to stand for them, and that's what we are doing. So with that, there was also, uh, we have just come up with one of my friends. We will see his picture soon. We said, how can we help this community? Without giving them money cash in cash, we can train them to look after themselves. They have the land. There is no water, yes, but they have the land. What can we do to help them start sustainable project that will help them have some food and will also help probably the teachers? So that is what we are doing. So we started the rabbit project and we also have more projects. There is the banana day, the banana plantation. So we went and bought a land somewhere fertile where we can plant things that they can grow 
and we can have some food for these children. And we can also sell that to give some salary to the teachers who are volunteering for them. So we started, as I said something last year, but this year we are going to harvest. We, yesterday I talked to Julius, he said, we, we started with six rabbits, and he told me yesterday that we have harvested 50 rabbits already. That is amazing. That is a hope. And we have also started this banana plantation. So next year they are going to harvest. And that banana there is not the, this sweet banana we eat as a fruit. It is a banana for cooking. And that is the main food like any other carbohydrate we eat here. So they eat a cooking banana, we call that. So they are different bananas. So very important for them. So, and we say, if we can give them that, then, even if I'm starting a church there, these people have something to eat. These children can go to school. I don't care if they have a church or not, but they can see God's love. And they can start thinking. So we are not giving them cash, we are giving them ideas, projects, and when they have, they understand how things can work, then we support them and say, okay, we can give you a kickstart so that you can help yourself. I'm not going to help you all your life, but you have to come up with smart ideas. How can you use the land that God has given you to produce food and to look after the environment? So we are planting trees. So the, the, this used to be a big forest. They've cut all the trees down. There's nothing there. But we, can, we have coming back with projects that they can plant trees that they can harvest those trees. So you plant one tree, when you harvest, you plant two more trees. And what happens is there will always be trees there. And some other project we have will go for 20 years because we are planting quality trees. So we are not only thinking about today, we are thinking about tomorrow. When we are not there, what are they going to do? So in 20 years, I can send more children to university when they harvest those trees. So that's what we are. So we have stopped that uh, project of planting those long-term trees, but we are now we've gone back to the banana because they need food right now. And from that, we will keep building up. So these people need a lot of encouragement. Uh, next thing is that money, if they have harvested something, there is one more thing that my friend is passionate at is reaching communities of people who don't know Jesus. So this is what is happening. We have Tanzania's 40% Islamic. We have underground Islamic movement going on in Tanzania right now. And uh, last time I made a contact to give them uh, uh, what they need, Bible, special Bibles and special uh, things to read because what happened is if the father is saved, the wife doesn't have to know. If the mother is saved, children or husband doesn't have to know. That's how it works in Islamic. Because if they know, they'll be in big trouble. So they get saved separately. And I connect them to somebody else who is saved. That's how the next way to it. So it works underground. And one of the testimony is one day the son found that the father was saved 
and he's kind of, the father was kind of, child, don't say, and the son was using himself, no, it's okay, and, and, and his father goes quietly and say, so you know, I am also saved. So they are saved, but they are not saying it publicly. They don't go to church. They have their own network. That's one way we are supporting mission there. Uh, and, 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 and this is how it is there. It's different. So, and then the first, second thing is Sudan. My friend has passion for Sudan. With all the wars and the trouble, and you know about Sudan, how this crazy man from Uganda did a lot of things there, and Sudan has always been in war, and it's war every day, every time. There is no houses, nothing there. But people are hungry for Jesus. He went there last year, and he went there last month again. He could preach like crazy. People want Jesus, and people... And as he started that, but he said, this is not going to work if we don't train leaders. So he started training leaders. So a group of these people, the first photo on uh, left, top, is a group of leaders that he's training so that they can go and look after the other people who are receiving Jesus. These are children. That is life there on the right photos. This is how uh, it looks like there. They have no house, no schools, nothing. So we have to come up with strategies to uh, not only support them, but build some sort of shelter to encourage what they are doing there. And uh, uh, these are just people who have just received Jesus, those women there, and that is life as it is there. There's nothing. And everything is extremely expensive because you have to fly to them. That's his mission. So that mission there requires um, food. <laughs> we are not only going to uh, give them Jesus, but we have to come up with what can we do for them to self-sustain themselves. That is the rabbit project. That will probably transfer to this area because they have some grass there. So that can work. So we have to, so that's, that's in the future. I don't know how that is going to work, but we have started and we have impact there. Yep. And, yeah, you can do Pat, if we can just skip the next one and then go to the one after that. Yep, just skip that one. Thanks. Okay, so we wanted to quickly introduce you to the team that we are, the people that we are entrusting the most, because we are really just the facilitators in this, um, mostly these guys, Julius and Daniel, are doing the work. So Julius is in Tanzania. He's the one that's got the business brain that's doing all of the small business, the trees and the bananas and rabbits and all things. He's like a machine. It's pretty hard to get on the phone, but you can call him at 24 hours a day and he'll answer because he's always awake working. Um, and, and, and I'd like to Patrick say his heart is mission in yeah. his head. So when I travel there, we sit down and strategize how can we make that mission possible. Yeah. And he will just catch that like a fire and go. He was thanking me yesterday. I said, that was project, that project about rabbit and about bananas. And he's planning also to plant ginger and uh, plant more stuff. And it is just, he said, that is brilliant. I don't send money to Julius. We send money once. Mm. 
to build the cages for rabbits. But <laughs> whatever you give to Julius, he makes work. Yeah. That is an amazing man. So we've known him for a long time. Patrick and Julius did their missiology degree together. So yeah. we knew him for four years while we were there and yeah. they really connect really well. And when, what, what he's doing is the money that has just been sitting there a long time ago and what he did was to just, we told him that you can use that for mission, but he used his brain to make the mission self-sustainable. Yeah. And right now, when I went back, I said, no, you are going very slow. I think we need to speed up. <laughs> you are going to crash down because you have so much ideas and you can't do this on your own. This is why we are talking about him that uh, really needs to be empowered and equipped to, for, so that he can reach as many as possible. Daniel is someone that Patrick's known for a long time in Congo. He's a lawyer and he's making real progress for us with the girls. He has connections with the government and the organisations there and he's able to get in and get things that we haven't been able to get previously, like just even those photos. Like we can't put those photos up on the internet, but even that we can see the girls and that um, we can identify and connect with them in new ways. And he can go in and make connections. They're quite protected, and so we weren't able to go and send someone to them before, but now he is able to get to them. Ten years ago, Daniel was just young man in church in a youth group where we were leaders. He didn't have money to pay for his school fees. So what we said, we preached the message. We said, no, you have to go to school. We have to become politicians. We have to become business people. You have no idea how we are going to do that. And then we said, as young people, that's, that's where I would like to really encourage Dean, that what you are doing for young people is amazing, so powerful. Everything that God put in your heart to say, say it the way it is. Tomorrow, after a few years, you'll see that happening. And we told these young people, no, we can support you. If I have $5, I'll probably give him $1 to pay for the school fees. He did that, and then he ended up to become a lawyer. And look at what he's doing today, Daniel. Okay, thanks. Um, Pat, can you put the next one up? The one of how you can help? Thanks. Okay, so um, we've identified four areas of need for us at the moment. The first one we've got there is specialised personnel because actually we're both teachers and we're not good at all things. <laughs> um, so we really need... Ryan's got on board, which has been awesome. FYI, I did the presentation, so if it looks dodgy to you, you can blame it on me. Oh, there you go, he said it's awesome. <laughs> I put the logo he created, I don't know if you noticed the logo before, but I, he, he did that for us and I put it up and I'm like, oh, sorry if I put it with dodgy work. <laughs> um, but Ryan is really going to partner with us. Don't look for our website yet because it's not up, but he's going to help us with that, which is a massive blessing. There's so many skills that we don't have that we need. We need a lawyer at the minute at this end. We need an accountant. We need a um, auditor. So many things. It's not just all about giving money, although that is also part of it. Ryan, I have something for you. And it's not money and it's not a gift. <laughs> but it's a different kind of gift. When you were leading worship this morning, I saw this funnel. And the funnel was clear. And going in the funnel was liquid, but the liquid was gold. Normally when we have a funnel, like at home when I'm filling my oil bottle with the funnel, I have the oil going in to stay in the bottle, right? And then I slowly pour it out. But the oil was going in, it, not the oil, the gold was going in, it was filling you, but it was pouring out like crazy. 
So, you know, the gifts that God has given you that you are sharing, that you get to enjoy and love when you're going out in the ocean and taking those photos, actually God's got so much for you and all that gold is going to be pouring out and pouring out to help so many other people. And what you do for us, you just have no idea of the impact. So, just want to bless you with that. Um, Of course, we need prayer. You know, our family is really carrying quite a lot. Our girls carry it too. We had a photo of all of us there for a reason because they also sacrifice. They sacrifice our time, they sacrifice our finances and we really need your prayer for that. Financial, of course, Sarah's spoken about and the last one, of course, is sharing our story. So, yeah, thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Was it, before you go, Rebecca, was it... Um, when we messaged you um, about supporting you guys, was that when you were just signed up to committing yes. there? Do you want to share about that? Yeah, That's sure. Cool. So we just got um, the information from Daniel of all the girls. We saw 16. We know that we can support girls that have not got babies for uh, about $40 a month, but once we're taking on ones with babies, we're looking at $50 a month. I did the figures of 16 children plus everything that we've got going on in Tanzania, and I went, oh, my word. <laughs> And Patrick and I just went, no, we're just going to do it. We'll just take them all on. That was about two weeks ago. Um, And then I think the day after we went, we'll just take them all on. Sarah sent me a message to say um, that you guys want to support us more. So that was a pretty big blessing. And that's what I was referring to earlier when Patrick and Rebecca are just stretching their faith to take on so much because of their heart and they can see what God is doing. I just think God is making a way to provide. And I believe, church, we're part of the answer for the Harvest for Hope in Africa. And I am really excited for what God is going to continue to do through these guys and through our partnership and sponsorship and sowing into them. And for the other mission fields we spoke about too, we'll share about them throughout the coming year and we look forward to continually updating you. Let's stand. We're gonna, I think we'll finish with a praise song and let's just thank God that he is moving. He's moving um, in our midst, in our own community, but thank God for what he's doing through these guys in Africa. And let's give Patrick and Rebecca a huge thank you. Mm-hmm.